we love you tonight. Our hearts cannot express how much you mean to us. You brought us out of the miry clay. You set our feet on a rock to stay. We're standing on your word tonight. We see the world passing away. But there's a bride that's getting higher, marching higher. Our desire is for you. Our love is for you. Would you anoint every vessel tonight? Every seed of God. Every son and daughter of God. Every ordained seed that you come by this way again. And feed your sheep. From the youngest to the oldest. Everyone in between. They would grab a hold of your garment and your feet. And find a place to express themselves. You're worthy of our lives, Lord. We surrender again. We yield again. We want to let go of everything of our lives, of the world, of our own will and our thoughts. That Jesus Christ and your will and your desire would be manifested within our lives. It's manifesting time. May we fall on the positive side. May we move out under those pulsations. We give you this Sunday night service, Jesus. Remembering Brother Ernie, Villanueva in Georgia, with the brothers there and down in the south, just coming home. Would you bless his ministry, bless his life, Lord. We give you the Sunday night service in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you tonight. Can we go right to the word? Thank you, musicians. Numbers chapter 22. Turn to the scripture. Brother Branham uh, read this um, chapter, just one verse of uh, scripture in several messages. Does God ever change his mind about his word? Does God change his mind? He just read one verse. But we're going to read a little bit of a background tonight in Numbers chapter uh, 22. Let's read verse 12 as the first uh, time. God speaking back to Balaam after he had went to Balak. Balak had approached him. And Numbers 22 verse 12. God said unto Balaam. Thou shalt not go with them. Thou shalt not curse the people. For they are blessed. Then we know that a pressure was put on him. And they came back with greater things and. Verse 20, now God came unto Balaam at night and said unto him, if the men come to call thee, rise up and go with them. But yet the word which I shall say unto thee, that shalt thou do. And Balaam rose up in the morning and saddled his ass and went with the princes of Moab. And God's anger was kindled because he went. And the angel of the Lord stood in the way for an adversary against him. Now he was riding upon his ass and his two servants were with him. And the ass saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way and his sword drawn in his hand. And the ass turned aside out of the way and went into the field. And Balaam smote the ass to turn her into the way. But the angel of the Lord stood in a path of the vineyards, a wall being on this side and a wall on that side. And when the ass saw the angel of the Lord, she thrust herself unto the wall 
and crushed Balaam's foot against the wall. And he smote her again. And the angel of the Lord went further and stood in a narrow place where there was no way to turn either to the right hand or to the left. And when the ass saw the angel of the Lord, she fell down under Balaam and Balaam's anger was kindled and he smote the ass with a staff. And the Lord opened the mouth of the ass. This is an amazing part of the scripture. The Lord opened the mouth of the ass and she said unto Balaam, what have I done unto thee that thou hast smitten me these three times? And Balaam said unto the ass, because thou hast mocked me. Can you imagine yourself talking to your ass? You mocked me and I would. There were a sword in mine hand for now would I kill thee. He was angry. And the ass said unto Balaam. Now they're talking back and forth. Am not I thine ass upon which thou hast ridden ever since I was thine unto this day? Was I ever want to do so unto thee? And he said, nay. And the Lord, this is the verse Brother Branham read. And the Lord opened the eyes of Balaam. And he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way. And his sword drawn in his hand. And he bowed down his head and fell flat on his face. And the angel of the Lord said unto him, Wherefore hast thou smitten thine ass these three times? Behold, I went out, I went out to withstand thee, because thy way is perverse before me. And the ass saw me and turned from me these three times. Unless she had turned from me, surely now also... I had slain thee and saved her alive. God bless you. You can have your seats tonight. Tonight we want to speak on God's will is perfect. And I want to say God's will is perfect. It was perfect the first time. But what we're going to find tonight is there's a perfect will of God. Then there's a permissive will of God. And that is permissive means to he permits it or by permission. But that's going to get you into trouble. So right away we find believers. And I, and I don't believe I'm speaking to Balaam's tonight. I believe all of us are here on a Sunday night to find and live out God's perfect will for our lives. I want to encourage you in that. God's will is perfect. I asked Brother Bisco um, this morning. Uh, he was actually uh, at the Sunday morning service on April the 18th, 1965. Him and Sister Ruth. Uh, um, it is the rising of the sun. It was Easter Sunday morning. And um, Brother Branham spoke, it is the rising of the sun. And this is the afternoon service. Um, when Brother Branham spoke, does God ever change his mind about his word? And he took this um, scripture that we read, but he only read one verse. He read verse uh, 31. This was his opening text. The Lord opened the eyes of Balaam and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way and his sword drawn in his hand. 
And he bowed down his head and fell flat on his face. I think that's amazing. A prophet can take one verse of scripture and he preached over two hours on this thought of God's will. But nine days later, he spoke again and does God change his mind? And he read just one verse of scripture and took this whole thought, does God change his mind? I think we could all answer that tonight. God doesn't change his mind. When God said no to Balaam, don't go. That was God's perfect will. But it was something in Balaam's heart. He didn't like those people anyway. That's what Brother Branham said. Um, and Brother Branham goes into that in this message. And it's a very good message. If you like to read this message, does God ever change his mind about his word? And Brother Branham uh, begins to uh, say in this message, and Brother Tom mentioned the first part of this this morning, God will give you the desire, uh, he's talking about, he will give you the desire of your heart. He promised that. He promised to give you the desire of your heart. But he said, let your desire be the word of God. He said, let your desire be his will. Never your own will, but his will. And that's where a lot of people struggle right there. They're trying to find God's will or they want to, would like to know what is his will for our lives. And really we need to take a step back and say, Lord, take over my desire. Let our desire be the word of God and let our desire be his will. Never our own will, but his will. Then he said this, he said, you ask him for something and he don't give it to you. You just say, thank you, Lord. You know what's good. So I believe we're past um, as a congregation and you that have grown on to the Lord. We're past the, the adolescent uh, early years of just, you know, pounding your feet because you have a will and you want to do something. And you're going to create a, a tantrum here in, in your life and go through some months or years of trouble. It's better just to take God's will when he says no or when he says yes and just say, thank you, Lord. You say, well, what about when you don't know the will of God? Brother Branham answered that question as you know uh, in questions and answers. And it's something really we could quote every month in our church or in our families and remind one another. When they ask him the question, How do you feel is the best way to find God's will in some important matters? He said, the best way to find the will of God in some important matters is prayer. We're going to get into that in just a little bit about embracing God's will. It's not just everyone around you and their will for your life. It's not your will be done. It's his will be done. So in prayer... Uh, In some important matters, he said, I've always found it to be a strength. I wait upon the Lord and see what he says. And then I let myself become neutral to it. Don't take either side. Now, that's again a struggle because as humans, we do have a will. In fact, God made us with a will. But a believer gives that will to God and says, not my will. Let my desire become your will. I was reading this morning in the scripture, excuse me for digressing, 
But remember the scripture in Corinthians when uh, um, Paul said, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of men what God's prepared. Who remembers that scripture? And some would just stop right there and say, well, we don't know, you know, the things that God has or what he's doing. But the very next verse says, but God has revealed them to us by his spirit. So now we're moving as believers now, not just in salvation or unto repentance, but we're taking another step now in God, grabbing a hold of our hearts and moving in his will and fulfilling his will as believers that we must come to a place that we're able to stay neutral and not take either side on the matter, but really say, Heavenly Father. And, and, and asking that question, they were asking Brother Branham, how do you find God's will? He said, well, in my case, if it's very important, I wait on a vision. But many people God doesn't deal with in visions. So I wouldn't advise you that way. Because just some people has visions and some something else. He said, where you do something else that I couldn't maybe in your way of serving the Lord, I do something that you couldn't. But God deals with us differently. How many believe that tonight, that God deals with us differently? You have to find how God deals with your life and come to a rest about that. I, I want to take a step back and say that that's also how God deals with our assembly. God has put a lot of love gifts into this church that are very different. And Paul said also in the Corinthians that there not be division among us, there not be contention among us. In fact, he said, let it not be named once among you that there is these things going on. But the house of, of Chloe had mentioned to Paul that there, ha- there was strife going on in the church. Usually it comes back to these very things we're talking about, that God has put different gifts in the body that are very different. But that doesn't have to be a point of contention and strife. It can actually be something as you mature that you step back and say, that is so wonderful that God's able to use these different gifts to speak to all of us collectively, yet be so personal that you can go to a service and God can talk to you directly and you can say, that was thus saith the Lord for me. So God deals with us different. So he says, If I was in your place and didn't have visions from before the Lord, I would just wait upon the Lord and say, Lord, now you show me what's the decision to make. And then the way that you feel led to do, then just wait a little bit. Then wait a little longer and see which way, which side you lean towards and which way the spirit and say, Father, in my heart, you know, it doesn't matter, but I want to know what you want to do about it. Now, sometimes right there, we do matter in our hearts where we want to go and we don't really stay neutral and God will just want to nudge. But sometimes he's waiting on you to get back to where you're neutral again. It does matter. And many times we lean one way or the other. God's trying to take that matter out of us and say, Lord, it is your will. He said, that's the way it is. In the meeting sometimes, I just kind of feel led to go this way or that way. Then I follow that way because it's in prayer. You're doing the best you can. And I'm not going to ask the question tonight, who's doing the best you can? Because 
Our, our, uh, our best is as filthy rags. It's God's will for our lives that we're aiming for. We're pursuing. God's will is perfect. And I believe, my friends, Brother Branham speaking, he said, as Paul did in the New Testament, that if you get between two different straits and wondering which way to go and you go on the wrong road, that Paul got a Macedonian call. Brother Branham said, I believe if you are making a decision for God and do it the best that you can, I believe God will correct you and see that you don't go wrong. I believe God will do it. Did everyone hear that tonight? It's almost like we need to hear it again and let it become a rest to us. That if we make a decision for God in our lives, uh, that he's not just going to beat you over the head and say, you bad boy, you bad girl, you, you're not a son or daughter of mine. No, no, no. If you do it the best you can, God will correct you and see that you don't go wrong. Now, for the believer, that gives us a real good release. Amen. I believe God will do that. We believe that tonight. Now, does God change his mind about his word? Did God change his mind to Balaam? This was the scripture Brother Branham took and he was saying this was a scripture that many would take and say that uh, just looking at it from the natural side, you would say God did change his mind. He said, well, don't go. And then Balaam, because of his heart desire and lust for gold and popularity, he said, well, just let me go back to God again. And, and God said, okay, then you just go on up with him. But God did not change his mind. And I believe we've gone far enough in our experiences that we need to just go back to when God spoke to you the first time. Just go back to when God speaks the first time and stay with that. God's will is perfect. He's never changed his mind about his word. He's never changed his mind about you. Amen. We change our minds because we grow and we change. But God's never changed his mind. You know, tonight I'm just going to speak from my heart. Sometimes people are very quick to embrace things in their lives. People are moved. By by different things. If it starts to really pour rain suddenly or a a downpour, people are quick to run for shelter. It's like they want to embrace when when something's coming down really hard. By our instinct, we're trained to get under shelter. We were just in Mexico a few weeks ago and I was just going down the street. All of a sudden, the rain just started coming down. It was a torrential downpour. And people are running for cover. All the, you know, the street uh, where people that are selling their things are folding them all up and getting it because the rain was coming down. It was the rain was coming down. And that's within us as individuals that we're quick to embrace things that we feel is a need. You, you that have driven on a road or driven in a car, uh, there might be a green light ahead of you, but it turns yellow at the intersection and people are quick to react. They're quick to react. In our generation, most of the times they speed up to get through the, the yellow light. And some maybe, well, they just want to stop real quick. But that yellow light is, is a warning that it's turning red. And they respond quickly, either by pressing the gas or by stopping real quick. We're trained to embrace things 
and to be moved when things come across our way. And if that's true in the natural, how much more the spiritual things of God that we cannot be tuned in to the heart of God and respond that quickly in spiritual things? Why is it that we're so hard-headed and stubborn sometimes? I want to deal with that in a few minutes because Paul did in the book of Titus about being self-willed. Specifically, Titus 1.7, uh, he was speaking concerning ministry and bishops, but they are not to be self-willed. That means to be having your own will and yourself put out there. And I want to include alongside of being self-willed, we're not to be strong-willed. And that always gets us in trouble. Amen. I know it's Sunday night, but this is good food for us. God's will is perfect. And to be self-willed or strong-willed is going to lead you to trouble. And uh, let, let me just go back to this basic needs that we have as individuals. Many people, when they're thirsty, they want a drink. They want to meet that need. They want to embrace a drink. If they're really hungry. I, I was listening to the Dallas meetings. Uh, Brother Tim Humes was speaking. Brother Tom Ray Wonderful services there on the, on the website from the Dallas church. But I was listening. Brother Tim was speaking about uh, people being hungry. And you see billboards or, you know, there's a restaurant and you just, you get really hungry. You want some food right away. Is that true? You want to meet that certain need. You want to embrace that need. Well, what about the will of God for our lives? What about what God is trying to get our attention and show us in a certain direction? It's like we almost need a, a double emphasis or Lord, I want to fleece or Lord, can you show me again? When really we need to go back to when God's dealt with us the first time. We get tired sometimes and we get really sleepy. Sometimes we get wore out in life and we need some rest. And sometimes if we don't make good decisions and get rest, we'll make a wrong decision. And sometimes some of you might think this is elementary, but I'll bring in just a, a natural illustration. Years ago when I was working night shift and, and working what they call graveyard shift, and we'd drive home from work and we'd worked all night and maybe been at church on both services Sunday, coming home after working Saturday night, Sunday night, and you're tired. And I remember, it's just the grace of God, I remember being awake going into the intersection and awake on the other side of the intersection, but I have no memory of going through the intersection. That's only the grace of God. And maybe you've had things in your own life, probably in your youth somewhere, but when you just did things and you said, you know what, we can't let it get that far. You're living on the edge, you know, you're, you know what I'm talking about. And you get in a place where there's certain needs in your life and you're pressed to a certain place. Don't let it come to a moment of tragedy or some desperate moment. When you find out that God's will was trying to get your attention all along, God's will is perfect. And tonight, maybe this service could achieve one thing, and that is to embrace God's perfect will for your life. Just embrace it. Stop running from it. Stop fighting God because you're not going to win. If you're a seed of God, a son or daughter of God, God is going to have his way regardless. You say, oh man, no, that's a wonderful thing. 
God wants what's best for you. He, he's not playing a game with us and in our minds. God is not that way. God's will is his way is his word. We change over time, but God doesn't change. So if you get sleepy and get tired and you get wore out, you need some rest. These are basic human needs that many times people get underwater or over their head and they need to breathe. They want to breathe. They're gasping for breath. And it's like they trigger. They'll do whatever. They'll fight people all around them. I got to have breath. I got to get to the water. I'm drowning. These are all basic needs that I'm just triggering in your heart to let you know they're spiritual needs. Sometimes this is where we should turn off the internet. But Brother Tom spoke very clearly this morning, good counsel to us as parents about how we're raising our children and how we speak to our children and how we're raising them to not have complexes. And we can push them into a certain area to where if you've dedicated your children to the Lord, you start playing with God's will for their life. God's going to hold you accountable for that. And, and, and God gives us counsel by the ministry of how we raise our families and how we... It's not um, a bondage. It's a freedom. God wants to see us down the road with relationships and with our children and with one another. He's trying to save us from damage. God's word is perfect. God's way is perfect. It's us that struggle against that sometimes. Or when you don't know God's will for your life, it tends, tends to spin a person out there to into frustration. And God's trying to bring you back tonight to just agree His word is perfect. His will is perfect. Just rest in that. He knows, he knows the past. He knows the future. Some might not understand this, but he knows the future as well as he knows the past. That's because he's God. And we serve a great big God. Do we not? Even this time of the year when the weather changes and and you go out and you're cold and shivering. You need a sweater. You need a coat. You need to cover that spot. You need to get that covered or you're going to get sick. You're going to go through a day or two of missing school or work or maybe miss a service because we're in that season. You need clothing. And I mentioned all of that to say God's people need the word. We need the Holy Spirit in our lives to lead us in his perfect will. We must have the supernatural element or we will miss it. We can't just go on our, our religious uh, feeling or go week to week, month to month with an intellectual conception. I, I'm going to move it up just a little bit. We can't just hear services on uh, we've, we've heard the word and we have the mind of Christ and she has thus saith the Lord and, and, and get all excited and amen and then go out in our home life and our daily life and fall flat on our face and say that we got it. We got to be willing to say, I missed it somewhere. So it's not just having great messages of having the mind of God and having thus saith the Lord and getting the people worked up to say amen, but it's getting them to a place of acknowledging that we need God's will for our lives and we need His direction. Individually, we need that. 
Amen. I thank God for all of our ministers. They mean so much to us. And we just wanted to come to a place, as Brother Branham said, does God ever change his mind about his word? That maybe there's a brother, a sister, a sheep that's in danger. They can shake off their head tonight and say, no, God's will is perfect for me. I might not understand all of God's will. I might not understand all of the things in my journey or our experience with God. I I may not be able to put it all together. But just because you don't understand does not give you an excuse to walk out of the relationship. Just because you get into a place in your life and things haven't worked out with your children... Doesn't mean that there's a, there's a, 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 an excuse for a bad attitude or a bad spirit toward the Lord. Because we all come to times in our lives when there's things we don't understand. There's things that as we walk in our journey with the Lord that He doesn't tell us everything. And you might get a little bit quiet about that, but God doesn't tell His prophets everything. God's not gonna tell us everything. If it's important for you to know, God will tell you. But it's us just coming to a rest about that and being submissive about that. Just being able to walk with the Lord and say, Lord, I release that to you. I'm the female. You're the male. And you're, this is your program. And if we've only got five more minutes, let's serve the Lord with everything that we got. But if we've got another 20 years, then we're going to be faithful in planting the potatoes, hoeing the garden, cultivating the youth among us. We're not just going to go along through the motions. We've got to be able to go back when how God first dealt with your life, how God called and moved in your life. Then he's doing that in someone else. Hallelujah. Let's turn to another scripture that's uh, real familiar, and that is 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. God's will is perfect. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. Paul said, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Amen to that scripture. Then he said in verse 5, this was our verse I wanted to bring your attention to. Casting down imaginations. Casting down imaginations. That literally means to overthrow reasonings. When they come in your life, overthrow them and cast them down. God's word is perfect. God's will is perfect. So to embrace God's will, we've got to cast down something else. We've got to throw it aside. Our emotions, our imaginations, our loves that are twisted. The lust of our, of our lives, our passions, we gotta cast it down. On this side we embrace. On this side we learn, we grow. That's what a prophet taught. In verse 5, Paul is teaching us casting down imaginations and every high thing, every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God 
and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Don't you love the word of God and just get right down in it and dig down deep. You're finding out God's will for your life means to cast aside the other things. Cast aside imaginations. And you hear Brother Branham said many times in the message, casting down reasonings. That's what he's talking about. This scripture, casting down reasoning, imaginations, and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. I cast it down. I I literally cast it out of my life, out of my heart, out of my family. Out of this kingdom that that God's allowing us to live in as believers. To embrace His will. Embrace His word. Hallelujah. Embrace means to put your focus on something. Put your arms around something. Lord, I'm embracing your will. Brother Michael Gendo, would you just come here for a moment? Just come here for a moment. This is embracing. Say, I'm going to embrace our brother Michael. I'm going to embrace him. I bring him close. I bring him dear. That means bring him closer. Thank you, brother Michael. To embrace God's will means put your arms around it. Put your arms around what God's calling you to and stop running away from it. Stop running from God's will in your life. Embrace God's perfect will. Embrace it. Means to agree with it. Stop finding the opposite way and justifying why you can't do that. And we can talk about Moses. We could talk about other men and women in the scripture that was running from God's uh, call for their lives. And how they always have excuse. We always have excuse. Why we can't do God's will or bidding. But tonight you're being encouraged by the angel of the Lord to surround your heart and your mind with God's will for you. Let your spirit and your whole attitude embrace God's will. Let it be something lovely instead of something that you always are get up in the morning and you dread it. You just you talk negative about it. It's your cross. It's your cross. And you can always say it's hard or it's bad or this is my lot or this is just the way it is, Brother John. But the word is saying opposite. It's your cross. It's God's will for your life. I believe this would settle a lot of Christians if they could come to this rest. To let your desire embrace God's perfect will. Let your love, let your affection And I'm coming into an area here. Let your trust be around God's will. It's very dangerous to be out of God's will. It's very dangerous to be in God's permissive will. Even though God will allow his permission or his, he'll permit something for a while. But his perfect will is where the believer ought to be praying for, running for. Not seeing uh, how close we can get to the edge. And, and nobody knows. The preacher, the mom, the dad, the teacher. No, but God knows all about it. it. It shows a lack of love when a person's trying to live near the edge. 
We just need to learn that lesson of the man that wanted to take the king down the mountain. And everyone was like, oh, I can get this close. I can get this close to the edge without going over. I can get this close without going over. And there was another man that said, you know what? I'm just the opposite. I want to stay as close as I can to the side of the mountain. And the man said, that's the one I want to take me. Not not someone that's always trying to find a way out. And Lord, there must be an easier way. There's got to be a way I can still serve you. It reminds me of all those believers that was around Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And there were thousands of them. But when it came to a certain moment, they said, no, we're not going to bow. We're not going to give in. And there were thousands of other believers that bowed. Call it conviction. Call it whatever you want to. But God's calling Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that he can say, who will stand with me that I can take into the fire and stand with them? Sometimes we get so shaky and nervous. And maybe you don't know really where you stand. And to have that angel come by your way. And just squeeze your hand or lay his hand upon your shoulder. And just kind of turn you in another way and say, don't you see that? And you're able to see that. You say, thank you, Lord, for being the guide of my life. I I was going totally in the opposite direction. But you know where it starts? Is Romans chapter 10. Let's go back there. 12, excuse me. Romans chapter 12. We could quote these scriptures and you know them by heart. But it really starts right back here at Romans 12. Presenting ourselves. Brother Tim mentioned this scripture last Sunday morning. I already had it in our notes to minister on on this God's will. It's presenting yourself. It's making yourself available. I'll let you find it and then I'll speak to you for a moment. In Romans 12, 1. That's why some that aren't where they should be with the Lord or they're backslid. Satan's got your attention and you're presenting yourself before his internet or before movies or before that spirit or before that, that girl that's just got your eye or that young man that just says that certain word or that boss that just flowers you and just gives you such so many roses and you just, you're going in that direction. You're presenting your mind and your will to that person. And God is standing over here saying, this is my word. This is my will. I'm trying to get your attention. So Romans 12, 1 and 2 is is an anchor scripture for the believer. Paul said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. There's many ways. You've heard this spoken over the years, but for tonight's service, a person must present themselves and say, Lord, I want to do your will. And I'll say this, do it while you're living. (laughs) That might sound funny, but do it while you're living. It's not funny to the rich young ruler. He found out pretty quick in the regions of the lost. That he could live an Old Testament 
message idea of paying tithes, being good. I've done all this from my youth. But when it moved into the New Testament, he already had enough awareness. He didn't have eternal life. Some of us need to move from the Old Testament to the New Testament and find out in the presence of God. All our good works and all our being good means nothing. There's already that inner voice saying you need to go here. You need to do that. You haven't gone far enough. You need to go further. It's the Holy Spirit. It's what was in Jesus. Bear with me for a moment. It's what was in Jesus appealing to the rich young ruler to give his all. That he found out later. Oh, he got under an evangelistic anointing. Didn't he not? Send somebody back and tell my brethren. Send somebody back and, oh, we want to do this and, oh, we want to do that. And, and Jesus said the very words were very profound, Brother John. No, they have Moses. They have the prophets. In other words, they have the word. We still hear his voice tonight screaming from the regions of the lost. If I only would have. That's why I said, do it while you're living. Present yourself while you have your right mind. While God is still even able to talk to you and you're able to put it in in at least your human faculties, God's talking to me. This is more than a newspaper, more than an internet site. I come to service and it's just different. And that's why people want to get away from church when they get into this place because they, they feel uncomfortable in his presence. But a believer wants to come and present yourself. Even if you're wrong, just say, God, I present myself. Let your word, let your will just have an effect on me. You know, friends, I believe God will answer that prayer. Even if you've went wrong. Even if you've went wrong, God's will for your life is to go right. That that same voice of Jesus talking to a rich young ruler that would be among us. And they're a seed of God. It would have the power to turn their heart and say, I give up my barns. I give up my money. I give up my future. I surrender to God's will. How many believe that here? He could have been used for the kingdom of God. Let's finish this verse. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy. Acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world. Do you remember verse 1 says, I beseech you. So he isn't just, this is a nice suggestion. And, and it will be really good fundamental living. No, he's saying this, trying to grab their attention. Don't be conformed to this world. But be ye transformed. And right away within a believer, something drops into our heart saying, God, I don't want to be conformed to this world. Transform me, God. Move deeper down. I don't want to be playing games. I don't want to be just mocking and scoffing my great God. Say, my mom don't know. My dad don't know. The preacher don't know. But God knows. It's much deeper than all of this filio outwardly stuff. That will never merit the kingdom of God. The Holy Spirit brings a heart to trembling. 
It's exactly what we're talking about. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. God's will is good. Maybe if we just move a few grains of sand on the other side of the mountain, the service would have been good tonight. Every son of God to say, God's will is good. Every daughter of God to say, God's will is good. Stop getting angry and fighting with the very call of God in your life. When you're only going to be satisfied in God's perfect will. You know, Brother Branham spoke about these scriptures in power of transformation. This was just a few weeks before the Lord took him. December, actually October 31st. So it's just about six weeks before the Lord took him. And he's talking about this scripture in Romans 12, 1 and 2. And he said, that's what we all want to do is be not conformed to this world. Are we all awake tonight and feeding? But be transformed by the renewing of your mind to do the perfect and acceptable will of God. Then he stops and says, now that we have been saved as we are and that we have been filled with the Holy Spirit as we have. Now we want the mind that was in Christ to be in us that we might be transformed from the natural things of life and be brought in to do the perfect will of God by transformation of God's spirit by his word. Then that's not just hearing sermons. That's not just being saved only. We're going deeper than that. We're going further than John, the Baptist doctrine of being baptized unto, as Brother Tim was speaking about that. And when he had already, I had this in my notes when he stopped and said, I don't know who that was for. Well, the Lord Jesus knows what he's doing among us. He's chipping away at all of the things that's in the rock that's not of his perfect image, he's chipping it out of your life. And if he has to use this brother or that gift or this Sunday schooler or, or that camp or that young people's meeting or this pastor or this associate, stop crying out and ah, when the chisel hits, start looking back and saying, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Instead of grumbling and letting your prayer life be always full of how hard you have it, be full of what the Lord has done for you. What He's doing for you. Where He's taking you. Oh, how Satan loves to play with our minds. Play with our bodies. Tries to get everything just topsy-turvy and out of order. We probably should have turned the internet off probably 30 minutes ago, but here's another something. There's people right in our church that have been given terminal responses from doctors and nurses that are sitting right in this service tonight that most do not know about. There's needs right sitting right here among us that are more serious than I think if it came across 
the, the, the corridors of our hearts and we knew that sister or that brother or that young lady or that young man was going through a situation, I think some of us would be a little bit more desperate. There's things we can't even share, even amongst the, the ministers. A lot of times we do. But sometimes there's needs in our church that a person will say, just hold that in confidence. That we don't tell no one that we need God on the scene for. We need the supernatural to move in that situation. And that's when we need to come back to certain anchors in our lives. And tonight's service is one of them. God's will is perfect. And God's word is the final say. In the church age book, Brother Branham talked about Balaam. And let me just move along quickly about this thought of Balaam in our opening scripture. But Brother Branham said Balaam, that he had a prophetic office. He knew the proper approach to God. Do you remember his sacrifices and things? But yet he was not a true word prophet. For when God told him not to go to honor Balak with his presence, he sought to go anyway. For he was motivated by his lust. Did everyone hear that? Balak was a prophet of God, but he was not a prophet like Moses. Let me say something to you tonight. Then those that follow a true prophet will carry that same nature. They love the word. But if you're just following after another prophet, do remember the believers had Moses that had God as the king. Balak was a king that wanted a prophet too. So he pulled in Balaam. Oh, just go back and read both these messages. Does God change his mind? It'll bring it right down home. He was trying to bring Balaam in to try to get on his side to curse God's people. Balaam should have said no the first time. Do we all agree? And can you imagine an ass, excuse that expression, but an ass having more discernment than a prophet of God did? That there's an angel of the Lord standing in front of us? One time. Then another time. Then another time. And and the way got narrow. And the way got narrow. Maybe in your life it's getting real narrow. The Holy Spirit's trying to say, I'm trying to get your attention. Oh, but here's Balaam. He was so upset and angry. He's whipping this and he's whipping this. And he said, if I had a sword, I'd kill you. Oh, you say, that's foolish. You know, we kind of chuckle to say, wow, if you would have had a video of that conversation, a man out in a field talking to an ass and it's talking back and it's talking, he's talking back and they're having a conversation. It's in the Bible. That's how dumb we get sometimes. Excuse the expression. We get dumb. And we'll start reasoning and playing around with Satan and talking his language. It's time to come over and start talking to the angel of the Lord. What would you have for me? You know what most of us should have done right there? Get back up on our ass. And if you've hurt and offended the ass, run back home. Just run back home. 
And if they text you and email you and call you saying, oh, we, we got the gold and we got the promise and we got the robes. Just tell them you can have it. God dealt with me. God laid something on my heart. And God's perfect word has already spoken. And that's just fine with me. That's what some of you need to do tonight. Have your gold. Have your silver. Have your future. But I want the blessing of the word. And maybe sometimes a real believer gets caught into a place and you're just hitting everything and blood's flying and you're being nasty. That's the time to take a step back. That's not the Holy Spirit on you. You've got yourself worked up into a a carnal frenzy. Excuse me for hurting your feelings. But the angel of the Lord's trying to talk to you. It's amazing that a dumb ass could see an angel standing there with a sword. But finally, the Bible says, one verse of scripture, the Lord opened his eyes. You know what? May that scripture happen tonight. Just one verse. The Lord opened his eyes. Can we embrace God's will for our lives tonight? I was listening to Christ is the mystery of God revealed yesterday. And um, there's a part in there where Brother Branham talks about how in his earlier years when he listened to his mother-in-law. And how, do you all remember when God was leading him to go take his wife and go on the field? And his mother-in-law, which was a strong-willed, self-willed person, opinionated, Said, don't take my daughter out amongst that trash. You go get yourself. And what he was talking, what she was talking about, she wanted a a son-in-law that had class. She was trying to motivate a son-in-law to do her will. And you know what? Brother Branham bowed to that. And in more than one message, He said there were thousands, and I believe in more than one place, he said millions of souls that would have been one to Christ. He listened to his mother-in-law. So tonight when I'm speaking about God's perfect will, it's not the will of a mother-in-law or of a father-in-law. It's not the will of an associate that should direct you as a son and daughter of God. Shake out of that. Maybe it's a manager or a supervisor that's promised you the moon. Just stay with us or certain promises. And we find out as we walk through life that in all of their good intentions and well meaning for you and I, they can't keep their promises. Has anybody found it so? Politicians cannot keep their promises. And it's not the politician, it's the politics that corrupts them. So don't let a strong-willed manager or an email of a supervisor direct you in your future. Or you're going to find out down the road, that wasn't even God at all. Don't get your eyes on money and lusting for power and having position. 
above God's will for your life. When Brother Branham said Balaam was motivated by his lust for gold and prestige and God let him go. I say, God, don't let me go there. I want to go back and reference my, my first thought there. Those that really follow God's true prophets love the prophet. They love the word of God. That's just the final say. But if you're always struggling and you're leaning in your, uh, in your communications and what you're reading and kind of what you lean toward is just that emotional side. Well, you know, was it really that way? And I don't really know if that's really right. And, you know, and you always lean in that question. Satan's going to get you. That's reasoning. That's imagination. And Paul said, we need to cast that down. Cast it down. Embrace God's will. I believe the Lord's not fishing tonight. He's grabbing a hold of somebody. And bringing them a little closer as we did, Brother Michael. Gendo, my dear friend. He's embracing you. He's bringing you closer. Which is where all true sons and daughters should be to us parents. Is closer. Closer. You say, but I have my buddies or I have my coffee buddies or, you know, I'm closer with people at my job or I'm no shame on us. That's when we hear messages like this morning, we examine ourselves as fathers, as mothers, as elders in our church, that the Lord would help us not to be feeding the flesh of one another. But be encouraging them in God's will for their life. I'll just say this very personally. We have no authority to dictate to another person what God's will is for their life. Zero. In fact, you'll notice men and women that are spiritual are very cautious. When it comes to these sacred grounds. We can help, we can encourage, maybe counsel, but ultimately, ultimately, it is you and your walk with the Lord and where you stand with the Lord. Because as time goes on, you're going to have to go back to an anchor and it's not the preacher and it's not the counselor. And it's not your mother or your father that is, I, I trust, doing their best. Brother Branham said, God let him go. The perfect will of God gave way to the permissive will of God because of the heart desire of Balaam. God actually said, go ahead. Now you parents understand this. It's just one after the other and, the, and things happen. And can, like Brother Murphy was speaking about, the, you know, just they just keep asking. They just press and press and press and you say, just go. What do you want? Okay, just do that. No, you're being forced into that. That's when you need to go back to the first thing and say, is it really the right thing to do? It's God's perfect will for your life. Who knows who was the loser in Balaam's experience? Who knows the loser? Brother Branham said, Balaam was the loser for he bypassed the word. And in the very next chapters, it led to Balaam and Baal Peor because it created a weakness in the church. 
where they got caught up in other things instead of the word revealed will of God. And they started running after other things. And in the time of crisis, and in the time when individually they should have been grabbing a hold of God, they were stunned. They didn't know what to do. And Brother Branham said, God knew Balaam wanted his own heart desire above the word, and he gave it to him. Yet all the while in the end, having his own way. Even so today, God tells folks to go ahead in their own heart's desires, for they have already rejected the word. But the will of God will be done regardless. Brother Branham said, hey man, I hope you see this. It will not only clear up much of what is seen in all ages, it will especially help in this last age, which has so much manifestation and external blessings, when the whole period is against the word revealed will of God. Sometimes we need to slow down and say, God, reveal your will to my heart. I just want to end that part of the service by saying, embrace God's perfect will. And not just people around you, even a mother, a father, a friend, a spouse. It's God's will for your life is what God's going to bless. It's God's purpose. His divine headship is what all of us should be crying out for. You say, Brother John, what am I to do if I realize I missed it? I missed it. I was wrong. Well, we're really quiet there. Brother Branham said, I believe if you're making a decision for God... You start out on the wrong road and you've done it the best you can. I believe God will correct you. That's what some of us don't like. God will correct you and see that you don't go wrong. He's grabbing a hold of your heart tonight saying, don't go down that road. How many has heard of the forest fires down in California? Who's heard about that on the news? And I was just shocked. The other morning, I was up early and driving down the road, and I heard on the news about these fires. I thought, my, here it's just getting cooling off here and more rain in the northwest. And down there in another place, it's just fires and fires burning up houses and thousands and thousands of trees and people's living and their ambition. All of It's really their heaven on earth. They've created their heaven. In fact, the name of the city is Paradise. Paradise, California is destroyed tonight. I'm not saying that happily. It's destroyed. But there was a couple things that caught my attention. I shared it with my family. And that is two things. They're saying that people died and there's still hundreds and thousands unaccounted for. They're trying to sift through the rubble of mobile homes and houses to look for little ashes or dentures of people. Because the fire came so quickly, there wasn't enough warning. In fact, and I'm quoting one news article, said the warnings were too little, too late. In other words, the fire was on the town, on the city, on their businesses, on their homes so fast. Literally, people got in their cars to try to get away and their tires melted to the ground and they were burned alive. 
The warning. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. But there was too much, too little, too late. In other words, well, they're putting it back on the authority saying, you should have told us. You should have been more. They always have to try to find an excuse. But the last part of this article said people waited too long because they had been through a lot of fires before. So they didn't heed the warning. They didn't know it was going to be so bad. And they literally were burned in their clothes. Loved ones, aunts, uncles, mothers, just across town. They tried to go get them. It was too late. Spiritually, it tugged at my heart. And I say, God, don't let us wait too late. The warnings of the Holy Spirit trying to usher us into his presence. Of his perfect will, perfect way, perfect desire. And so many people are so, oh, we've been down this road. We've heard the sermons. We've heard the specials. We know the preachers. I heard one preacher this past week rebuking preachers that scream across the pulpit and called them Pentecostal. That whenever they scream, they're Pentecostal. I'll say this. Lord, I'm a sheep. If I would ever go down a wrong road, I hope somebody screams at me. Because you know how it is. Oh, just talk to them. Just love them back. And we do. We have coffee meetings. We email. We text. We do. But there's times when a little sheep needs a little bit of get back to your place. Where's your position? I know that might hurt someone's feelings, but it'd probably be good for a brother or sister to say to someone else, I think you're losing your spiritual mind. What are you thinking about this? By the way that you're talking, you're way out on a limb somewhere and Satan's already started up the chainsaw and you're just laughing and think it's okay and you got your wife out there and your children... What I heard this morning was a warning. And moms and dads that's dedicated your children to the Lord, you are responsible. Because if you gave them to the Lord, and you're guilty of manipulating their future by being strong-willed, you are guilty of breaking the Word of God. And I like how a prophet would say, and we're all guilty. And I'm guilty too. And God help us and God forgive us. He was willing to bring himself down to a place that we've all made mistakes. Don't worry, I made a whole page of notes. And all three of my children can expect to hear from me this week privately. Because brother Tom, that's what we do. And we take the word of God seriously. And here's the notes. Oh, you say, that's private. Well, that's okay. Sometimes we need to hear from a minister that we need to take the word of God personal. And that's how we talk to one another. We hear something across the pulpit. Like, we hear the warnings. We hear the warnings. We hear the warnings. And in California, so many of them said they had been through so many fires before. We'll just stay. And some of them only had five minutes. Get in your car and get out of here. And some of them were saved. Just with their clothes off their back. 
They don't have their passports. They don't have their pictures. They don't have nothing of the past. But they got their life. And they can start all over again. And one man said, I I will have a paradise one day, but it'll never be back at this place. Some of us need to move from where we're at spiritually. And we need to go to another mind space of the mind of Christ. And start feeding from the things that are eternal. And let God change your attitude. Because it's very clear over many years that human and even carnal reasoning cannot do that for some. It takes the word to shake him. Can I give you another example? This was given to the young people out of the demonology uh, series that they're going through with the young peoples. And, you know, Brother Branham was so amazing. Do you remember Toledo, Ohio? When he was um, in a little restaurant there, he would go to a little Dunkard place. Uh, it was like more of a spiritual place. Um, but one Sunday morning they were closed. They were at Sunday school and Brother Branham went across the street to a real worldly place and walked in there. And it was illegal to gamble in Ohio. But there was a state policeman with his arm around a girl and hanging in certain places, he said, playing a slot machine. And the laws of our uh, states and nations gone. And I looked, there was a beautiful young lady, probably in her teens, 19, 18, 19 years old. And what they were doing and the boys that were there at the table. It was just horrible. And I sat down there and a lady came over and said, will you have a chair? And I said, I wanted breakfast. Sitting in the chair... Looking across the room, he saw a real elderly lady, as old, he said, as my mother. 55, 58 years old. Had on one of these little pair of ungodly clothes they wear. She was sitting there. Her flesh was all flabby. She had kind of an orchid-looking manicure, whatever you call it, on her lips. Little bitty haircut like a man, all fuzzed up. The Bible said it was a disgrace. Brother Branham said she was sitting there, lip manicure all over like this and the black stuff on her eyes and she was sweating it was running down but we'd look at that and say that's horrible and the poor old thing might have been a great grandmother had grandchildren she was sitting there with two old men and one of them had a big scarf around his neck and it was in June sitting there and he got up was kind of drinking and she was drinking she was looking around I thought here's a prophet said Oh, God, why don't you just wipe the thing off the map? Why don't you, he said, look out here in these parks and things. What goes on? I thought, oh, God, does my little Rebecca and Sarah have to be raised up under such of this stuff? Isn't that a shame? God, how can your holy righteousness stand? It looks like your righteous indignation would fly out there and blow this place up. And Brother Branham said, I heard the angel of the Lord say, come aside. And maybe tonight the angel of the Lord is trying to say, come aside. And I walked over there and he got, when he got through with me, I felt like a different person. He said, what are you condemning her for? I said, look at that. Now, Brother Branham's still all worked up. Look at that. The way she is. And, and then Brother Branham said, I saw a vision. And that's what we need to see tonight. From the word of God. Not a vision like he saw, but a vision from the word. Right. 
Open our eyes. Brother Branham saw a vision. You know the story of a world turning and a rainbow around and blood there around. And every time he said, oh my. The blood of Jesus Christ acting like a bumper. And my sin, when I would sin, it would hit him in the face and jar his precious head. And I could see tears and blood. This is Brother Branham. Blood running down. And God was saying, Father, forgive him. He don't know what he's doing. And I'd do something else and hit him like that. Father, forgive him. And if it would ever pass him, I'd be destroyed. And I thought, yes, that's right. And I seen one day I crawled up to him and he's talking about his old book. Being a sinner. And God threw it over his shoulder and said, in the seed of forgetfulness and said, pardon. How many did God do that for here? Just, brother, God's showing him a vision of what God did for him. And now as a believer, you do something wrong. It's like hitting the face of Jesus. And then the angel of the Lord saying, now you're wanting to condemn her. He said, I forgive you, but you're condemning her. He said, that changed my idea. And I said, Lord, have mercy. You know, maybe you're all into it and maybe you're all exercised and God's trying to show you the totally opposite side. Change your idea. Your attitude's wrong. You're so into this and I'm making money and I'm raising this and I've got this. And you might be totally out of God's will. Here's the prophet of God. You say, if it can happen to him, surely it can happen to us. And it doesn't mean he was a bad person. Neither are you a bad person. He's trying to correct his, correct his attitude. That changed my idea. Lord have mercy. And after that, I walked over and I sat down. I said, how do you do, ma'am? So he goes from one condition to saying, how do you do, ma'am? If you'll just pardon me, I'm Reverend Branham. He goes on, excuse me, Brother Branham. I said, lady... See, before he's like, oh, she's manicure and wearing this. He would never called her a lady, but now he did. It's also because he was a gentleman. Lady, I told her the story. I said, I was standing over there and I was condemning you and thinking, what a horrible thing. And maybe you've got children. She says, I have. I said, what caused the way to go wrong? And Brother Branham said, she began to unfold a story to me that would rend the heart out of anything. And that's where a lot of us, we just deadpan look right there. We don't want to hear about it. We don't want to hear about it and go deeper. We're a lot of surface people that have been trained by Laodicea. It's got to be fast. It's got to be quick. It's got to, if you're hungry, get food. If you're thirsty, get some water. If it's raining, you got, and we've been so trained like that. Even with one another, we want to write off one another. We want right off over here. And that's not the Holy Spirit. When Brother Branham heard her story, he said it would ruin the heart of anything. I said, I was asking God, why didn't he just rake up them off the earth? And here you with these two drunken men and you're drunk yourself. And he's given the story. And he said he was talking about her going to hell. He said, you know what? This is in conclusion. You know what? That woman slipped out of that seat there in that restaurant. 
We had a prayer meeting like you never heard in your life. And she come to Christ. Hallelujah. She came to Christ. What was it? He said, don't condemn them. Tell them the gospel. Their influence from over here. Our influence comes from above. Then he said, let's see what we can do with our talents to win others to Christ. It's not putting them in. It's not putting them out. It's bringing them to Christ. It's all of us bringing our talents, bringing our gifts, bringing it all together, getting out of the way, which is your gift. Just get out of the way. Just surrender. Just submit. And I'll drop this in here. Submission is not just initially in your experience when you're all full of, of just love initially and oh I love you and you're coming down the aisle and you're putting the ring on the finger and you're in the honeymoon and you want babies and you want to do this. It's down the road when there's decisions that are to be made. Real genuine love is to submit. And that's what we see Leah. Laodicea wants nothing to do with that. Everything's a flare. Everything's naked and put it out there. And that's temporary. But real love of God in individuals will bring that submission down the road. When things have changed and time has gone on. And it's not the way it used to be. But in your heart, you're always trying to make it what it used to be. And God is challenging your heart. What is really love? It's submitting to God's will now. And as we bow our head tonight, maybe the Lord Jesus has talked to somebody here tonight. And you could embrace that will of God for your life, for your situation, for your need. You could put your focus on that. Put your arms around it. You can let your heart and your whole being embrace it and say, God, have I missed something in my life? Is there more for me as a believer? We could get like Brother Branham. We could start getting all spiritually exercised and condone it by a scripture, by a quote and say, oh, this this is this and this is that. And really the angel of the Lord needs to give us a real vision. Maybe take us over to the corner and show us the way that it really is. I pray God help all of us to not be self-willed. Don't let me be stubborn and strong-willed. But from this moment on, I want to be more sensitive to the Holy Spirit. How many in your prayer right there could say, yes, Lord, that's, I want to make that a prayer tonight. And I will do my part to submit to whatever God's purpose is in the situation or your will for this moment in the road. With a revelation that he knows down the road and around the corner what's best for me. Lord, I don't want my human emotion to get in the way now. And I don't want my narrow vision and my puny little mind 
to distort what God would have in the picture. Oh, Jesus, your will is perfect. Your word is perfect. Your Holy Spirit is perfect. And we have nothing to say. I have nothing to say on the right or on the left. It's your will be done. It's whatever you want. Friends, don't be just in love with Christ in the infant years when it's all good. And then as time goes on and you get down the road and you start to lean more on things, things, and people, and the Medicare, and the banking system, and maybe a spouse, or maybe a relative, or maybe it's a neighbor. But tonight, the Lord Jesus is asking for first place. Maybe it's just one person. Could I just out of the abundance of your heart say, God's will is perfect. And I'm not going to ask again. He can do whatever he wants to. And I'm letting my hands off of that. But I am going to let him know that I agree with whatever he decides. And I'm not going to let up on that. Don't don't take me wrong on that, friends. I, I believe we should be ardent and persistent. Let our but that's faith. Lord, open our eyes. Give us vision. Take us back behind the door somewhere. And if we need correction, if I need correction, if someone around us needs correction, then it's not my will they need. It's not my opinion they need. Can you come to the place that you'll just say, I won't go there. I'm not going to go there. Unless I have the Holy Spirit and thus saith the Lord, I'm going to be sensitive in that matter. And if it means me humbling myself and saying, I really don't know, I don't know, God loves that. He That just opens the door to His Holy Spirit to come in there when your spirit's broken, when your flesh is weak, when it just seems like you're crushed and you're going through the storm and the seatbelt's on and everything's shaking. It's being able to say, God, I've given my life to You. Whatever happens, I'm in your hands. And you watch God, my friends, bring you into the eye of that storm. And right in the middle of the trial, right in the middle of all of the hurt and the misunderstanding will come a peace that passes all understanding. That's the Holy Spirit. I want you to invite that person into the situation. Embrace that voice. Embrace that. It's Jesus. 
It's God talking to you. He doesn't want bigger barns. He doesn't want just a bigger tithe envelope with your cash slipped in there. That's good. He wants you. He wants you. All these things I've done from a youth. I've done these things from a child. He wants you. For that is eternal life. Heavenly Father, to know that these thoughts go way back to the tabernacle when our pastor and his lovely wife was, I believe, even baptized that morning. It is the rising of the sun. To know your prophet could be unburdening the mind of Christ for us as your people. Does God ever change his mind about his word? For us to still, years later, being able to say, I'm 100% on board with that. Whatever he says, it's nothing but the truth. Lord, there's a few of your people has faith on the earth tonight. And we love your appearing. Would you come down, Lord, into situations, into souls and spirits and bodies and needs, situations where people are praying for God's will and some important matters. This altar is always open. There's, there's men and women that would pray with us till the midnight hour for another hour. I pray that you would come to the pew, come to the nursery, go out on the internet, up on the balcony, in the plat, onto the platform, into our musicians, the ministry, up into Brother Murphy and into the translating booths, our Brother Louise and others that are translating tonight. Lord Jesus, don't let us be so proudful that we're not willing to walk across the street and have the angel of the Lord get our attention. Change our attitude and give us another way to walk out of there. I'm sure that service that Sunday night was pretty different for the prophet. To be able to approach the people and know that he had won a, a sister to the Lord because of his tenderness. Being able to be sensitive. And they had a prayer meeting right there in that ungodly atmosphere. And she gave her heart back to the Lord. Jesus, that's what really matters. Is that we're ready to go in this great rapture that our brother Tom spoke about. And the future home that he read about. That we can begin to understand that this is what it really is. Lord Jesus, you allowed our prophet to lose his wife and lose a daughter and have her come back into the little place where he was living and pat on his shoulder and say, don't you worry. You've preached about it. You've sung about it. But you really don't know what it is. It's heaven. Promise me you won't worry. Lord Jesus. Allow experiences for us in your word that would get our attention. Come into our rooms. Come into our buses. Come down the road as we walk down the road to school. As we drive to the destination or go on the ferry. Or get on an airplane or someone streaming 
from another place tonight. That down their cheeks could roll the tears of the Holy Spirit that is present in this room right now. Could go across to another continent and cause some heart to also come under this atmosphere of your presence. Lord, go with us, Jesus. Don't let us just hear good sermons as we've been hearing lately. Masterpieces, men under the influence of the Holy Ghost. It's the Holy Spirit talking to us. Don't let us shun that, Lord. This is the diet we need. This is the words we need to hear. This is your presence that our families, why we move them to this church for, was to come under a ministry that could deal with our children. That our wives would not have to struggle. That our husbands would not have to struggle to know where the minister's coming from or why are they saying that? But it could be the word of God from burdened hearts right to our address that we would be able to drink it in and push it out, drink it in, push it out. And years could go by down the road and we could say it's nothing but the glory of God and the mercies of God that keeps us. To God be the glory. To God be praised tonight. Be glorified in our church, in our marriages, in our families, and those that are single or those that are struggling or those that are elderly in our church. Some are going through a lot of battles right now, even our teenagers and young married couples and even middle-aged ones struggle with your will. They struggle to know what is the will of God. They, they want to know what is their purpose in life. I pray that the Holy Spirit that called each one of us to be alive at this moment, at this season, that you would just come alive within their hearts and give that, them that assurance that all is well. I'm with you. I'm with you. My son, I love you. My daughter, I love you. I'm with you in the boat. Let us waken him tonight. Let him speak peace out over the troubled waters of lives, Lord Jesus. Go with us this week, Lord. This Thanksgiving week, as many will be sharing and remembering and all the goodness what you've done for our countries of Canada and the United States and wherever we're able to give freedom and shout out these voices and messages and hear songs like we sang our brother Ryan sing tonight. I pray that it would never become common. But as we that are privileged to cross the border every time we come across and they let us pass through, I just say in my heart, thank you, Lord. Another service. There's another time that I can come with brothers and sisters that love the Lord Jesus. Because one day it might not be that way. And we'll long for these special moments that we can share and linger and wait and pray. Encourage one another and look across the room and say, I'm with you, sister. Brother, I'm with you. 
We may not know all the burdens of everyone, but you know all about it, Jesus. And we are commanded by the scripture to love one another, to bear one another's burdens. And we are our brother's keeper. Jesus, let it be from our hearts tonight as we go. Bless the congregation, all of them. And those that are streaming, those in Victoria and those in Renton, the brothers and sisters, Lord, give them leadership and guidance of your Holy Spirit, I pray in Jesus' name. As we stand tonight, oh, I want what you want for me. testimony. There's a brother that attended Brother Donnie Reagan's church and uh, last Sunday, Veterans Day, he passed away. He was 96 years old. As they gave some of the pictures of his life, things that he had gone through, he was actually a prisoner of war. He was flying in the military and on a B-17 bomber over Europe, over Austria. Big, huge bomber. And the pilot was killed by the, by the enemy. So him and his comrades, they're in the, in this, 
airplane. That's a big uh, Air Force plane. And they started jumping out of the plane one by one, one by one. He was the last one. Actually, there's surveillance satellites got a picture of him and, and it shows it at his funeral service you can see the pictures of, of our brother Daniel Therese he's jumping out of the airplane it wasn't his day to die and he lands in Austria and the Germans pick him up and he was in the prisoner of war camp for years and they marched him across all of Germany some of you have heard of the, the death march. Many died and were killed even in that march until he was finally freed by the Allied forces. He went through the Great Depression years, 96 years old. And on Veterans Day, the Lord allowed him to go last Sunday. He was a real veteran. But he wrote a little book and talked about how that that was not his day to die. God had to reveal the message to him. And he went on to be a real stalwart of this message. He was a real man of God. He would sit on the front row and cry out in the services. Real veteran of the message. I challenged me that a real veteran could be that way. But it also was a real memory that a satellite could catch a photo of a son of God jumping out of an airplane. God knows everything about all of us, where we're at, everything we're going through take him through prisoner of war camps take him through all of that and for him to give his life to the Lord Jesus it's a wonderful thing an over two hour service and it was wonderful I told my family I said if I ever passed away I want my service to be like that they're clapping, they're rejoicing they're singing songs, they're standing up I said that's the kind of service I want, amen, let it be recorded tonight I'm in a better place but I pray, Lord Jesus, make it a reality to us. As you go tonight, have a wonderful week. God's will is perfect. And God loves you and we do too. The ministry loves you, our church. That's the reason why this church is here is for you. This is a pasture. I thank God for that. Bless your lives. As you go this week, love him and love one another. You're dismissed. Have a victorious week in the Lord. We'll sing this hand. Shake hands with a soldier as you go. Because I know that you.